to the Let's Go Racing Family Podcast, sharing our love for NASCAR, running, and just racing through life. Hosted by Sebastian, Giovanni, Karen, Tony, and me, Johan. Each week, we'll talk about our view of the world through the lens of racing. And today, to start off our topics, we have a, well, we actually have two races to talk about. We're going to first start off with the Toyota 500 kilometer race, which was on Wednesday at Darlington. That was actually a really fun race. Boyer had the most dominant car that night. He won the first two stages, but unfortunately had some trouble. And uh, he and what was that trouble? Laps. What happened to him? He got the Darlington stripe and then tire went down. And you guys at one point were even counting the Darlington stripes, right? What yeah. what did you guys get up to? I, think, I think I believe it was like 30, 32. Uh, 32? Oh, no, yeah. it was 35. was 35 by the end of the race. And that was just based on, at one point in the race, they said that they were at number 28. So we kind of just started from what we were seeing, um, adding to that. But of course, you know, there's probably cars that weren't shown um, hitting the wall or scratching the wall. Um, and, and it's funny because when, <laughs> when uh, we saw on TV that he had trouble and he had hit he had hit the wall uh, at one point. Then he actually cut a tire and then slammed into the wall. I think we all collectively screamed no, yeah. because we've been watching him even in the eye racing. He was having some up and down, but we thought, OK, he did really, really well in Talladega, ended up not finishing well and then, you know, had some trouble. And we were really because we've talked about this, that Boyer has become uh, like kind of a family favorite. Yes, I think unanimously we all have become uh, fans of uh, Clint Boyer, and we we want him to do well. And so when he did it, we were just all dejected, and it was like no. And then we'll talk again how he did in the Coca Cola six hundred in a second. But yeah, it was a little disappointing, especially because he was so dominant. He had led, uh, like Gio said, uh, over seventy laps, and was the and led the most laps of any driver, even including the winner. Um, so then, what ended up happening? Because this was uh, an exciting race for a Wednesday night. So. The drivers were worried about the fact that it was going to be raining soon. And I think about 30 laps to go, Denny Hamlin was leading and Chase Elliott had a run. He could have caught up to Denny Hamlin and win the race. However, Kyle Busch, who was in second, had to fall out of line and then get back into line. But he miscalculated and he sent Chase Elliott into the wall. Yeah, when you watched it live, what did we all think? When I saw the move that Kyle did... From the first angle I had seen it from, it looked like he had intentionally clipped uh, Chase Elliott. But then from a few other angles that they had shown, it looks like he was just trying to check up and didn't have enough room uh, because he was paying attention to his mirror too much. And that's actually one thing um, I honestly don't do on whenever I like I'm eye racing. And I think other people should take uh, notice to this, um, but uh, I don't paid attention that much to the boys behind me i try to keep my eyes in front of me to not uh get like intimidated by what's behind me or anything well and i think the the thing with kyle was he saw a run on uh from kevin harvick and was trying to get in front of him yeah and didn't really pay attention to how close and that's how he ended up clipping uh chase nascar doesn't know if he did on purpose or not but kevin uh, harvick said he probably did it on accident he probably kyle, was- kyle bush um, Kevin Harvick. He said um, Kyle might have miscalculated. And, like, NASCAR doesn't know if it was on purpose or not. But, like, Kevin Harvick, in 2015 at Talladega, he needed a caution to stay in the chase. 
So, as the NASCAR driver said in the interviews, they said Kevin Harvick wrecked Trevor Bain on purpose so then he could stay in the chase. But NASCAR didn't know. Or like in 2013, Michael Waltrip racing with Martin Truex Jr. trying to get in the chase. Brian Vicker goes in the pits for some weird reason. Um, not not for tires to, to win. Clint Boyer spins on purpose. They don't know if they if that was on purpose or not. We so, don't know. So bottom line is NASCAR can't prove it. But what do we think? Well, from every angle, doesn't uh, every camera angle that I saw it from, I personally thought it was intentional. Uh, that's only because, you know, he, he kind of has this little track record. And I've seen him take people out intentionally when he wants to win. I mean, he's a very competitive driver. But I've seen him, you know, take somebody or put somebody in the wall to win. All right. The Kyle Busch fan okay. here is like about to lose his mind because he needs to jump in. So yes. what do you think, Sebastian? I think he didn't do it on purpose. But regardless of whether he did or not, Chase Elliott did give him something. He gave him the number one birdie salute. <laughs> or you're the number one salute. And the reason I, I call it that is because I remember one. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. was racing and ended up taking a guy out. And a driver who he took out had ended up uh, giving him that salute. And uh, that's what he referred it to is he was just telling me I was number one. So, I mean, he apo- he apologized for it and he took responsibility for what he did. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that we're talking he wasn't. About Kyle. Yes, we're talking about so what Kyle. he did to chase. Uh, we're not. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't do it intentionally. However, like I said, you know, he's done it before where he's put other drivers into the wall. And, you know, they kept saying, oh, well, he miscalculated. He misjudged. I mean, it wasn't miscalculation by inches. It was like. Where he, where his dent was in his fender. Yeah, but you got to remember how fast they were going. They were coming, if I remember correctly, weren't they on the back stretch or were they on the front stretch? They were coming off they were of in turn, turn four, four and they were going okay. down the front stretch. They were going down the front stretch. They're, they've got a lot of speed. They're going about 170 at that point, I believe. And you're going 170 miles an hour. Yeah, you miscalculated. I think it, look, here's the thing. We And we debated it and we talked about maybe we should have recorded the discussion because it was pretty heated. You were like not taking it. And Jeff Gordon himself on the broadcast kept saying, I just, I think he miscalculated and you didn't want to hear anything about it. But at the end of the day, if Jeff Gordon, Kevin Harvick, and a lot of these drivers are saying, look, he miscalculated, they're probably speaking from experience where they've had their, done it themselves or they've had it done to themselves. I, I get just what think, you're saying. I just think certain people get miscalculations, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, and other people are just called dirty drivers. Well, so I think that that's a different point. And I think that, and I don't disagree with you on that, that if the roles were reversed and it was Kyle that got clipped, he would have zero tolerance for that. And I honestly do feel like he felt bad. Like he even said it at the end. And, and the fact that he did the interview, I give him, he stand up. I mean, he finished second in that race and he did the interview and he said, look, I messed up and he apologized. And there was a very telling scene later. And we'll talk about that next race where I feel like he genuinely likes Chase Elliott and feels for his team. Maybe um, Kyle Busch um, had a slower car than Chase Elliott on the turns, but then. Um, he had a faster car on the straightaway, and then he was going faster than Chase Elliott. He thought um, Chase was going faster, but he he didn't realize he was going faster, and he, and he might have um, thought he wasn't enough to get in the line. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I right, let's see. Chase led how many laps in that race? Does anybody know? 
He had it says 28, 28 laps. Times. So, I mean, he had a fast car. And Kyle, who ended up coming in second, I don't think he led a lap at all. So Chase definitely had a better car. He definitely had a better car. And I think had the rain, or actually, no, had he not been hit, even though the rain was coming, I think he might have had a chance to, to pass Denny Hamlin. Yes, I think, I mean, regardless, he. I think he would have passed Denny Hamlin and then the rain would have come. What would your opinion be on the situation if any other driver had done it? Like, let's say Chase Elliott had maybe accidentally done it to like Tyler Reddick. What would you have thought had Tyler Reddick gotten clipped and Chase Elliott would have been fine? What would your opinion be? Would you say... Chase Elliott did intentionally, or are you just saying that because of Kyle Busch? Or a quick thing, how about if it was Jimmy Johnson or Joey Logano who did that to Chase Elliott? Would it be a completely different argument? So you're asking mom. You're asking mom what yes, she thought. Yes, I honestly, I think I would. I would think I would say that it was an accident. You'd give and him I, the benefit of the I doubt. I would give him the benefit of the doubt from the start. I did say I will give Kyle Busch the benefit of the doubt because but he you never admitted gave to it, to it. Him from the start. No, not from the start because guess what, guys? Last year... He put Kyle Larson in the wall because he wanted to win. That was two years ago. Or two years ago. Whatever. All years run together. But the point is, he's done it before. He put Montoya in the wall in the Daytona race in the summer. I mean, we could go. Yeah. So the point is, yes, I honestly will say that it had it been any other driver who put Kyle, I mean, I'm sorry, um, Chase Elliott in the wall, I probably would have been like, oh, I, I think it was an accident. I know Jimmy wouldn't have done it on purpose because he is teammates with Elliott Joey. Even though he's not teammates, um, Joey is a nice driver. And I think Kyle Busch did it on accident. You think it was accident? And you said, I'm sorry, just want to make sure I'm clear. You don't think Jimmy Johnson would have done it? No, because um, if he did it to Chase Elliott, Chase Elliott wouldn't have given him the number one salute. <laughs> he, would, he, he wouldn't have given him the number one salute. But if it was anybody else that was not Alex Bowman, Jimmy Johnson, or William Byron, he would have gave them the number one salute. <laughs> you think so? Okay. All right. So who actually won the race? We've talked a lot about what happened during the race, and it was exciting. With 20 laps to go, uh, unfortunately, Mother Nature decided to say, I don't want this happening. She started crying because Chase Elliott got taken out. So with 20 laps to go, the race was called, and Denny Hamlin had won the race. Denny Hamlin won the race, and he was the second. he's the second driver this year to win two races, actual races, the other one being... Joey Logano. Joey Logano. Joey Logano. That was your cue, man. That was your That's your guy. Every time I can plug in one of your guys, I'm going to do that. Anyway, Danny Hamlin won. Uh, the most memorable thing in that was the post-race celebration uh, when he donned his mask. Uh, and I know he was excited to win that rain shortened race. And it, it did really well in the ratings. I think I saw over 2 million households watch the race, which is really high for a weeknight uh, sporting event, especially in a time like this. And again, I've said this time and time again, I hope NASCAR takes notice and figures out a way to make weeknight racing somewhat of a regular thing during the season. I'm not saying every week, but every couple of months, let's throw in a weeknight race because I think that would be a really, really cool thing and fans are responding and it's opening NASCAR to new fans, which is also part of the reason why we do the podcast. Well, and this race was actually a fun race. I think from beginning to the end, it was an entertaining race. Yeah, it was. It was. And I'm looking forward to this, the next I, Wednesday night race. Well, I actually have two things. Um, I have two things to say. First of all, I think the midweek races, the Wednesday race, was better than the Sunday race because of how it was 
because of how it was done. With the Sunday race, we did not have any qualifying or practice. It was randomly drawn, and they didn't have experience on the track before. Um, and then with the Wednesday race, they had experience from Sunday, and I think that's why it was more entertaining. We had more um, moves and stuff, and it was more of a fuller race and also uh, I think if they were to actually add in midweek races have those just for fun don't don't give them points for whoever wins just let it be a fun little race that they can enjoy midweek like a shootout yeah kind of like that well you're gonna have to give these guys something to shoot for like money so maybe it's like a maybe it's like an all-star type race or maybe it's like a, a shootout like we do at the beginning of the season that's a pretty cool idea I think it's better that they keep it points races because what's the point? None of them are going to be interested in doing just a, like, every Wednesday do a shootout. Well, we're not saying every Wednesday. We're saying every now and then. And it doesn't and it doesn't even have to be Wednesday. But we're saying every now and then do a weeknight race, right? And if you do a shootout style, like, these guys love the race. Even if it's bragging rights, I think you'll have enough of the drivers. I mean, that that's come out that's what it. they were kind of fighting for in the iRacing series. And even though they weren't racing for points to like get into the chase, they were they they still had fun. They and I think we had fun too. But most importantly, they had fun um, just have, getting to race. So let's move on to our next race, Coca Cola Six Hundred. Normally, we'll record the podcast right after the race, but of course, it was a late night. So we're recording today and on Monday. And it's the longest race, the longest race of the year. Of the year. Uh, and with the rain delays, it made it even a later race. It took six hours to complete this race. It started at six and then it finished around 12. And they already split it into four stages, 600 miles. You probably should put on your pajamas when watching this race. <laughs> I think some of us did. So what happened at the very beginning of the race? And I really feel bad for the guy because think about it. You just said there was six hours of racing. And before the race even went green, he was pretty much out of the race. Denny Hamlin. What he, happened? I don't know. He dropped something Chunks out of the of back of his car. Came flying out of his car. Ballasts. And basically what ballasts are, it's what helps add weight to the cars. And you may ask, well, why would NASCAR want to do that? Because NASCAR wants everyone's car to weigh the exact same. And we all know drivers come in all shapes and sizes. And so to make it even across the board you would add ballast or weights to the car so that everyone's car is the same weight. Well, his ballast started falling out before the race. So he had to go back before the race went green or once it went green, he had to go in, into the pit and actually get it added in. So that effectively took him out because I think he ended up like seven laps down because of that. Other than that, I'm sure he had a pretty good car and he was able to maintain it. So yeah, so he was taken out. Who started on the pole? Kurt Busch. And how did he do when the race started? Um, He... um. He ran uh, 54 laps in the lead and looked like he had a pretty good car. And then what happened, Johan? What happened to Kurt Busch? He started on the pole. He led the first 50 laps, 54 laps. And then what happened? So when the race went back underway. Um, after what? What happened? After a after, rain delay. Um, he pitted. Um, and then I think um, if you have the lead, you're better to stay with it for the rest of the race instead of just losing it. Because it isn't like Daytona or Talladega where you're like three wide, four wide, five wide. You're um, And it's like you have lines and you can take the lead easy. So what do you think that tells us about this type of track and this type of race? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, I think when you have momentum, you got to keep going with that momentum. And the rain just kind of 
set him back. Actually, the most thing important thing I wanted to ha- have in the race was Jimmy Johnson winning. Yes, and we'll come back to that. Okay, I, they did say that that once you are in the in the front, you've got a uh, the clean air and you're able to continue. So, so think about that, and this is important because this plays out later in the race, about 400 laps later or 350 laps later. Clean air and staying up front is so important at Charlotte, and this isn't a new thing. Back when Scott Riggs was racing and he was kind of the underdog for NASCAR, I was a big Scott Riggs fan. And remember, we watched that race. It was 2006. He had the dominant car of the weekend. He got the pole and he led the second most laps in that race. He led 90 laps with less than 100 laps to go. He was leading. He went and he passed Jimmy Johnson, the champion at the time, took the lead and was leading the 600. And he had never won a cup series race. And I was so excited. I thought this was going to happen. He gets up there. There's a late caution. He comes into the pits. His jack man drops his car. Literally, the car fell off the jack. Car dropped. Of course, it took him extra time. He came in, I think, top three position. Maybe I think he was number one. He ends up coming out, I think, barely top 20. Was able to drive his way up to 13. But basically, when he got back with all the traffic and the dirty air, his car wasn't the same. And that was the thing about this track I learned almost 15 years ago. You need to stay out front. And if you can get out front and get clean air, that is more important than things like tires and other things. So track position is super key. Okay, this happened 15 years ago. So let's continue and we'll come back to that in in a second. And and obviously, Scott Riggs never won that race. Casey Kane, I actually told you yesterday it was Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson finished in second. It was actually Casey Kane that won that race. Um, but it was he, Scott Riggs did great. So anyway, so then after um, after this, what ended up happening in the rest of the race? So Chase Elliott, he was leading a lot of that race. In fact, it was him, then Brad Keselowski, and then Jimmy Johnson. And Johan really wanted to see Jimmy. We were all win. pulling for Jimmy. We're we? like, please caution. What did you think we- late in the race, Johan? With Jimmy Johnson racing up there. What did you think was gonna happen? Um, he was gonna win. You thought he was gonna win, didn't you? It was an awesome though. I mean, he was racing really high up there. But then what happened? He um just wasn't able to catch Brad. Well, first with two laps to go, we're all like, oh, please, please, caution, please. And then suddenly, caution. And we're like, what the what? And we thought for a second there, we got excited. Remember, Johan, for those of you listening, you know, Johan was very emotional with the laps counting down, thinking that was it. And we were all wishing that maybe there could be a yellow caution and give Jimmy Johnson one more shot to maybe do something on a restart. Because we've seen him do that before. That's how he won a seven championship, right? He was he was down. He wasn't really dominant. There's a late caution. He all of a sudden gets up there. His car comes alive and he wins the seven championship in Homestead. So thinking if there's a late caution, this is the guy that could do it. And we thought something was going to happen. And unfortunately, you want to tell us the rest of the way, Johan? No. no. Okay. Was, it's still it still hurts. Does it still hurt? Yes, it does. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll let your brothers finish it. When the caution came out. There were the ability to go into pit. And for some reason, Chase Elliott got sent into pit. And it cost him the win. He did race back to the front and get third, but he lost the Which was race. amazing to think about it. He, yeah. I think he was like outside the top 10 
when they restarted, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was actually in 10th place and he managed to finish in third, which means that had they had more, more laps, laps to go, he could have worked his way up to the top because, again, Brad Keselowski and Jimmy Johnson both stayed out. And so they were on older tires. Yeah. And so he got so, fresh so tires clearly, and he was able to drive up. Yeah, but he, still. He had a good car. And then with the new tires, he I think he could have definitely passed them. So now, do you remember the story I just told you about Scott Riggs? Yeah. Clean air, staying up front, most important. Unfortunately, Alan Gustafson, his chief, and he's a good crew chief, and he's made right decisions, and he was aggressive, which Chase even said he likes an aggressive plan, but unfortunately ended up being the wrong call. He got too far back, and he just couldn't make it up. Now, one thing Chase did say in the interview, and I believe this could have happened, he's the leader, right? So when you're the leader, you're actually at a disadvantage when you're choosing to pit or not. Because the other drivers get to see your decision first, and then they can decide. So they can have a plan to say, hey, if Chase comes down, we stay out. If Chase goes in or, or, or if Chase stays out, we're going to come in and get fresh tires. So you're actually the one time you're at a disadvantage when you're leading is during caution laps and deciding whether or not you're going to come into pit. And so he, he said it. He said, if I would have stayed out, they could have all went and got fresh tires and at that point, maybe he may have been uh, at a disadvantage. Personally, I still don't think so because track position just seemed to be the most important thing, clean air. But in any event, who ends up taking the checkered flag? The number two car, Brad Keselowski. And actually, it's been rumored that Brad is going to replace Jimmy in the 48 next year. So, so what do you think about that, Johan? Would you root for Brad if he steps into that 48? Yep. You'll be a big Brad Keselowski fan? I'll be oh every time I go to the NASCAR races, I'll be getting Brad merch. You'll be getting Brad merch. Hey, I forgot to tell you with some I guess it was a bit of good news. I don't know if you even saw it during the pre-race when they were interviewing Jimmy Johnson. Do you know what they what he said when he was asked if this was going to be his last 600? What? He said that as long as Hendrick had an open seat for him, he was going to race in the 600. So, it's just nice to hear that Jimmy Johnson isn't walking completely away from racing ever again. We just aren't going to see him week to week because he is such an athlete. I could see him try to do something only few drivers have ever done, which is to race in the Indy 500 and on the same day fly to Charlotte at the end of the race and race in the 600. But the thing is, I could see Jimmy Johnson winning both those races. So that may be something that we get to experience in the future. Real quick, tell us about what's coming up in the next week. Okay, so we are doing another Wednesday race. We are going back to Charlotte with the Alsco. Is Alsco? Is that yeah, how you say? Yeah, yeah. The Alsco 500 kilometers race. Okay, and uh, who's going to be starting on the pole? William Byron will be starting on the pole again with the inverted top 20. And uh, don't believe there'll be any practice or qualifying. No. Nope. Nope. Uh, but that's Wednesday. No, that was last night, practice and qualifying. Yeah, that was all. <laughs> yeah. What about Sunday? Sunday, we are going to the first new track, one that we did in the iRacing series. We're going to Bristol, baby. And so that will be the... The Food City 500, um, rescheduled from April 5th. That was supposed to be the spring Bristol race. And I don't think we're going to have qualifying or practice for that Bristol race. All right. So it'll be kind of exciting. Uh, week of racing, like you said, Sebastian is the first race, new quote unquote new race outside of the Carolinas with this new part of the season. So 
it'll be the first one in, in Virginia. No, Tennessee. What Tennessee. Say, Virginia. Oh, my word. Bristol, Guys. Virginia. It's Bristol, Tennessee. <laughs> and today we have a special guest, our Uncle Kevin. He is a huge fan of cars, absolutely loves them, a big fan of the F1 racing series, and is a Kevin Harvick fan in the NASCAR Cup series. So um, anyway, we're going to jump into our third segment, Six Degrees of NASCAR. And now it's Tony's Six Degrees of NASCAR, where Tony tries to connect pop culture with NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. Six Degrees of NASCAR this week. And uh, when we talked about having Uncle Kevin on the show, I thought, you know what, it'd be kind of cool to have him do this part for us. So he is going to tell us who I'm going to have to try and connect to NASCAR. So... Uncle Kevin, welcome to the show. Who am I connecting to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation? I tried to stump you. Hopefully I did. Uh, I chose Jeff Goldblum. Don't ask me why he popped into my own, but he did. Just just random. Jeff Goldblum. That one is, a, is definitely a unique one and not something that had a straight connection to NASCAR. At least I thought at first. Jeff Goldblum, for those of you who know, is a huge actor and was probably at the height of acting in Hollywood in the late 80s to the mid 90s when he starred in films like The Fly, Jurassic Park and Independence Day, among other films. Right. He's one of Sebastian's favorite actors. So then I started thinking, all right, how do I connect in the NASCAR? Because that one was that was out in right field. So I started doing a little research. Come to think about it. Remember, he was in the Jurassic Park series. He's in one, two, and five. And he will return for Dominion. And he will return in the next one that's coming out. So I started thinking, all right, is there a way to connect in there, thinking of different actors? Well, there was a stunt driver that actually has done stunt driving and stunt coordinating for over 150 films. And he was one of the stunt drivers in Jurassic Park 2. That man's name is Stanton Barrett. Stanton Barrett is probably has one of the coolest careers in racing and in Hollywood because he's in he's been in over 150 films and he's raced in over 200 races across NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity, and the Truck Series. The last time he raced was last year in 2019 and Talladega, the April race. He finished in 35th, about 50 laps off the pace. But still, he's got a pretty cool career if you think about it. So Stanton Barrett, through Jeff Goldblum being in the same movie in Jurassic Park 2, that is how you connect Jeff Goldblum to NASCAR in less than six degrees of separation. So let's move on to our last segment. So, you know, we always like to throw in a little bit of life and, and what's going on. And so we thought, what better than this Memorial Day weekend talking to one of our family members who actually shares a love of cars and racing with us. So we'd uh, thought we'd give the boys the opportunity to interview their uncle. I'm going to go ahead and start off with the first question we have. You have always loved cars and racing. Where did that love come from? It's a good question, Jill. Thanks for asking it. Honestly, I don't know if there's a specific, you know, one specific thing. I just remember growing up uh, in San Diego, California, my parents took me to a automobile museum and that exposure to cars 
and then also being in Southern California, and there was lots of cool cars everywhere. Seeing those, um, I think I just was naturally attracted to them. So, I mean, you're talking age of four and five, like a kid that age shouldn't really totally understand those things, but you know, somehow I just fell in love. And I remember seeing my first 911 Porsche and that was like, I was just like completely in love. That became my like dream car. And from there, just like, you know, it just took off. I've always remembered you talking about your love of a Porsche vehicle. And and I mean, that's always been your dream car. Every time we see it, we're like, oh, my gosh, that's that's Kevin's car. You know, I also think it's kind of interesting. If you don't mind telling our our listeners where you were born and uh, how close that is to El Cajon. Yeah, San Diego, California. Um, I think one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Uh, I loved growing up there. I have fond memories, just all the cool things I got to do. And, um, yeah. And who's, who else do we know is from that area of the country from Southern California? Isn't Jimmy Johnson from there? Yes. yes that's okay, that's what I thought. Yep. Jimmy Johnson. He's from El Cajon, California. Hey, uncle Kevin. So you're a big fan of F1, right? Mm-hmm. Who would you say are some of the very best drivers in the world and in that sport? Of all time or current? Current. Current. Definitely, uh, Lewis Hamilton. From the from the UK, I mean he's he's the uh, six time reigning world champion right now. Drives for Mercedes AMG. Um, they have a fantastic package for him every year, so he's able to definitely use his skills to extract the maximum out of that vehicle. And you know they've been able to dominate for for years. And if we get back to racing this year, I think he has you know a shot at tying. Michael Schumacher for seven championships. So that'll be very impressive. Like seasonal championships. Yes. Wow. I, I mean, yes. I had heard his name. I had no idea that he was that good. And how many, who has the record for most championships in a career? Uh, Michael Schumacher right now. Seven. So seven. Yeah. So it's like NASCAR. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He's caught up actually to Michael Schumacher in terms of uh, wins and, and polls and things like that. Be- just because the seasons now, nowadays are longer. So we have more races. So he's had an opportunity to, to you know, surpass those records. But in terms of championships, yeah, he's only one off from tying Michael Schumacher for all time. Wow. Seven, yeah. I've actually had the opportunity to, uh, both of the F1 races I've seen here in the U.S. Um, have both been won by by Lewis Hamilton. Oh, wow. So Now, is he one of your favorite drivers? Absolutely not. Oh, so that's funny. Okay. Absolutely not. I, I will be honest, I... You know, he's got talent and I'll give him props for that, but I can't stand. He's kind of like LeBron James for me. I can't. You're not a big fan. Yeah. You can't get. I'm not a big fan. Like they do have talent. They're completely talented individuals, but I do not like. So so who are you rooting for when you watch F1? Um, Let's see. My favorite race car driver currently living is Fernando Alonso. And he's not in F1, although he might. There's a rumor he might come back next year. Um, I'm rooting for Sebastian Vettel, who drives for Ferrari. He might be going to a different team next year because he did not sign a contract for next year. So there's going to be a lot of uh, shuffling around. So do you think he has a chance to go to like, again, I'm thinking in NASCAR terms. So we know that there are certain teams that just have the top level equipment from where he's at and potentially the rumors of where he could go. Do you think he has a chance to go to a better team or do you think he'll end up on probably not as good a team where he's coming from? I think, and this is what people believe, that there is a slight chance that he might be going to Mercedes to be teammates with Lewis Hamilton. Because I think it would be good for the team 
to have a German driver coming in. Now, and those two seem to be really good friends. So I don't know if they can get along. You know, it's different when you're when you're teammates. So I don't know. It's either that or he might take early retirement. Oh, wow. Or a sabbatical. Oh, wow. So I, you know, I just don't see him going down to a midfield team or a back marker. So tell us um, between F1 and because, you know, we talk about this and we go back and forth and debating, like, who are the most talented drivers? And we can always go back and forth and we can do that now. But one thing I think that kind of equalizes that discussion is when they get to race in the same type of like format. And I think the only one that I can think of that typically happens is like the 24 hour in Daytona. Do any of the F1 drivers race in that? Because I know like Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon in the past, even Junior has raced in that. Um, do they regularly participate in any of those races? Yeah, actually, it uh, wasn't last year, but I think the year before Fernando Alonso got to to race the 24 Hours Daytona, and he actually won it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so since he left uh, F1, he's been, you know, taking up championships, you know, in, you know, he won Le Mans twice already. He's won, the you know, Sebring. He took Daytona win, um, you know, so, and now he's going after the Triple Crown, which is, you know, he needs the win in Indy. Yeah. In the 500. So he'll have Monaco uh, Indy 500 if he wins that. And then he's won Le Mans. So. And Monaco is the Memorial Day race. Yes. yes. That, that is a big race. That, that was one of the yeah. things we had talked about. We we're a little disappointed, obviously, that we didn't get to see that this year. But hopefully, was that race actually canceled or just postponed? Because I know like the Indy 500 was postponed to August. Yeah. No, the, the Monaco GP has been canceled this okay, year. Okay. So yeah. it's not happening. Yeah. Until next year, hopefully. Just because it's, it takes place in a city and the whole logistics and everything, it's just it's impossible to do to move it later on. But yeah, I think there's a lot of drivers that have, that would like to cross into other territories. They haven't. I mean, we've seen, like I said, Alonzo do it and he's done it pretty successful. Um, he actually swapped cars with Jimmy Johnson. I think, I believe it was last year. He, you know, Jimmy got to drive the F1 car and, and Alonzo drove the, you know, his car. Um, and he enjoyed it a lot. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that crisscross, you know, especially now. I don't know if you guys, Obviously, you probably have watched all the you know the e race series yeah. going on. You've we've seen a lot of uh, drivers crossing you know crossing over. Well, actually, I'm gonna go ahead and say something about that. Two things I've heard of. First of all, with the Alonzo and Jimmy Johnson swap, swapping cars and uh, trying each other's cars out, I've actually heard that um, potentially Jimmy Johnson might go to F1 or Indy when he retires. I also remember at the first iRace, Jimmy Johnson was not running a regular um, sim rig. He was running one from like F1, where instead of having a clutch on the uh, the pedal, they ha- had it on the steering wheel. And I thought that was uh, a little odd, but it was cool at the same time. So I think he might actually go over to F1 after retirement. So here, here's the thing, and, and this is one of the contentions of why I think it's harder to say truly like, is F- our F1 drivers better than NASCAR and everything is because you have very few F1 drivers that have crossed over. The only one in recent history of significance was, of course, Juan Pablo Montoya, who had raced in NASCAR for several years and was a very successful F1 driver. He won their key, one of their key races, the Monte Carlo, if I remember correctly, and among other races. I don't know if he ever won a championship there, but I know he was in contention. Then he comes to NASCAR and in his first race, Daytona 500, he's leading. And he and you're thinking, oh, my gosh. Um, And then, of course, he kind of settles in for a few years and he does well. He's never he never really dominates the way you would think he could have. But it was also very interesting. And I think he got tired. And I think one of the disadvantages of NASCAR and Kevin, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. The NASCAR schedule is just grueling 
It's 36 races a year, and it's usually about a 40-week race season. And and these are long races, too. Like, if you put into comparison, the Monte Carlo race uh, is a uh, is about a 150, 160-mile race. And then you have the Coca-Cola 600. So, I mean, it's a much more grueling thing. And then I don't know about the sponsor deals, but we all know in NASCAR, like, our drivers that race in NASCAR, they're, they have a lot of sponsor commitments, and that kind of takes them away from the track and stuff. So, um, anyway, I don't know what your thoughts are, but do you at least – feel like maybe is it as grueling as f1 like how long is the f1 season how many races and so the season usually typically runs from march so they'll start preseason testing in february and then march the first race will take place and they'll race all the way to the end of november so you know the season is long they do have like a three-week break summer break that they give them now um but the season is long and it's and they've added more races you know, more locations around the world in the, in the recent years. So you're looking at like 22 races across the world um, over the span of an entire, almost an entire year. I mean, because they just have around the, you know, Christmas time off and whatnot. So it is, it is, I wouldn't say it's more grueling. I mean, NASCAR is at an advantage that they get to stay in one continent. Sure. Um, you know, they don't have to do crazy amount of testing or anything like that. So you know, I, I just think it's it's just two different. I think it's two different worlds. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think the hesitation for a lot of F1 drivers is just moving here to the U.S., to be honest. Sure. I think they don't they feel comfortable where they live. Sure. You know, whether it's Europe or, you know, the U.K. Um, so they because I have heard them say that, you know, oh, I'd like to go race in Indy or, or NASCAR, but I just don't see myself moving full time to the U.S. When is the next uh, F1 race? Because I know at one point you and your brother had gone up to Indianapolis to watch. I believe it was the last F1 race, right, that they had there? That was in 07. Yeah, I went in 07 to watch the one in Indianapolis. Um, and then they built a purpose-built track in Austin, Texas. Oh, we, that's right. That's the one where I went with my brother. Okay. That was in 2012. Okay. Um, beautiful track. And do yeah. they race there every year? Yeah, they're there every okay. year. Yeah. Right now, I mean, with the with what's going on in the world you know, I keep reading reports of, you know, it may or may not happen. They still haven't ironed out the details on, on the schedule. But when was that race supposed to happen? It usually happens in October, late October. Okay, So there's still a so, chance it yeah, could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that they would take the approach that NASCAR is kind of starting to do, which is we'll just race the teams, no fans at the track? Or yeah. do you think it might? Yeah, I've heard I've heard no fans so far. And they're actually talking to a few tracks just in Europe and they might do what NASCAR is you know, it's been doing They just use one track to just do two, three races just to get some races in. Cause, cause obviously the season had just started or yeah, actually that same, they had already flown to Australia, which was going to be the first race of the season. And they were there that weekend that everything kind of went down globally and they only got, I think one practice lap in and literally they just called it quits because oh, a couple wow. members, team members got COVID. So, Oh, wow. Wow. Well, it'll be interesting. I know we all miss racing and uh, we're excited that, we get to see a little bit of NASCAR and uh, yeah. So, well, thank you, Uncle Kevin. Oh, guys, you guys, what do you guys think about Uncle Kevin joining us on the podcast? It was really fun. I hope you get to join us again. Yeah, it was great to have you. I look forward to it next time, guys. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again, Kevin. Really appreciate you joining us. All right, Giovanni, take us out.
that's it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening on in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell down there that we get notified whenever we upload a brand new episode. Let's go racing family. Out. <laughs>